Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. It's unbelievable that it's already about halfway through the year 2021. How did we get here so quickly? It's been a whirlwind year for me. I don't know about you, um, especially compared to 2020, which seemed to drag on and drag on and drag on. And uh, this year, it's just felt like a sprint. And um, I'm not tired. I'm actually pretty satisfied and pretty fulfilled. But um, I do recognize that this is a season where um, there is so much going on um, in the kingdom that um, I'm having to do my my diligence to uh, make sure that I am staying focused on the primary things. There are no shortages of opportunities, no shortages of distractions, no shortages of good things that are are in and of themselves. They're good, but they are less than God's perfect will for my life. And so I'm having to do something that I'm going to encourage some of you to do, to recognize the time and the seasons. You know, when Solomon uh, wrote down the words that eventually became included in the book of Ecclesiastes, he talks about there is a time for, and then he, he goes in and out of these statements, there's a time for love, there's a time for hate, there's a time for war, there's a time to peace, there's a time to scatter, there's a time to gather. And in that in that beautiful poetic book of Ecclesiastes, um, you're finding out that one of the truths of the kingdom is there are seasons, and seasons um, change. And you, your life, the older you get, the more you're able to recognize the patterns of seasons. You're able to discern what type of season you're in. And the younger you are, the more you're going to have to be intentional about this. So a question for us to answer uh, regularly is, what season is this? Uh, what is God saying, doing, prioritizing in this season? What is the Father leading me in during this season? What am I to do with my resources during this season? To whom am I to uh, primarily minister uh, in this season? Is this a season of um, reclusiveness and hiddenness, or is this a season where God is sharing me with other people? Um, and it's very typical that when we are younger, we just assume, you know, the season is life. Because when you're younger, you don't have the the experience of knowing there are multiple, multiple, multiple seasons that will constitute what your life is. When you're younger, you just assume life is the current season you're in and it's just going to get bigger and bigger. You very rarely consider as a young person that those seasons can dramatically change. They can shift. And so for me, this season is one of uh, building. This one season that I'm in is a season of, of, of establishing, of laying foundations, of investing. Um, it is a season where um, I am open to whatever the Lord wants and, um, you know, just doing my very best to uh, to pour into others. And I hope that as you are listening to Mavericks and Misfits, that some of that, that pouring through this vein of ministry is enriching you and helping you. And we love hearing from you guys. And I, I thank you for those of you that have reached out and encouraged us and told us to, you know, keep doing what we're doing because it's helping you. If you ever want to reach out to us, uh, you can email me directly at Jeff at maverickmisfit.com. Jeff at maverickmisfit.com. Would love to hear from you. Today, I want to I share something that is just burning on my heart. 
um, from a very familiar passage of Scripture in the Sermon on the Mount. Towards the end of it, um, Jesus preached the most famous sermon um, of all his sermons. And I would just say probably the most famous sermon in the world is the Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew 5, 6, and in, in uh, chapter 7. And I'm going to bring you a few verses out of chapter 7 that I, I want to challenge you with today. I'm challenging you to think about your life, to think about your attitude, to think about your relationships, to think about maybe, maybe, just maybe, that one of the reasons some of you are frustrated or stagnated is because you haven't paid attention to these words that Jesus is about to share in Matthew 7, because I believe that what I'm about to talk about, um, if, if we're not in alignment with it, then there will be stagnation and frustration in our lives. Um, so what am I talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, let's just use Jesus's words from Matthew 7, 1. He says this, son of God says this, judge not that you be not judged for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And then he asks a question in verse three. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? Now listen to verse 5. This is Jesus, gentle Jesus, the Savior, the shepherd, the tender king. He says in Matthew 7, 5, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Friends, these verses um, have been so crucial to my walk with Jesus um, for decades. Um, I've only been saved 27 years. It'll be 27 years in this August. Um, and I would say for 21 of those years, these verses have anchored my soul. Let me tell you why. Um, God gifts people differently. Um, and one of the ways that God has gifted me is he's given me um, an ability to discern and assess what is wrong. <laughs> um, I can look at a situation. I can enter into a system. More often than not, I can spend time with an individual and I will know very quickly and usually pretty clearly what is wrong. Now, that sounds like an amazing gift, but let me tell you how difficult it is because my secondary gift would be in this, in this particular issue would be a prophetic gift I made to proclaim. That's just what God has called me to do, discern and then proclaim what you discern. Now, I want you to think about this. If your instinct is to proclaim and you proclaim what you are discerning and you're discerning what is wrong, guess what the danger is? You can possibly always go around pointing out what is wrong. You can become a critic. You can become very negative. You can become an individual who is primarily known for fault finding or criticism, critiquing, fixing people. And that is not consistent with the primary call 
of the Christian. The primary call of the Christian, I'm going to blow some of you away right here. Listen to me, especially you young prophets. The primary call of the Christian is not to go around and pointing out everything that's wrong with people, systems, and processes. It's not the primary call of the Christian. And the primary call of the Christian is to edify. It's to offer solutions. It is to enhance. It is to um, heal. It is to build. It is to improve. It is to redeem. That's the primary call of the Christian. And so if you have an, an, a gift and a tendency, either a natural ability or a supernatural gifting that empowers you to regularly, consistently, and clearly see what is wrong, and then you attach to that the secondary gift of, of proclaiming, speaking, prophesying, teaching, preaching, and it could just be, you know, sharing. <laughs> we like to share. Um then Matthew chapter 7 is extremely important for you. Um, on Mavericks and Misfits, part of the very basis, the DNA of this podcast, is that we are in one sense a group of Christians that are fed up with the status quo of Christianity. That we were sick of perpetuating a lesser version of the kingdom than what Jesus Christ lived, uh, died, rose, ascended, and is interceding for what he's coming back to establish. We, we have no interest in perpetuating a system of religion that is beneath the dignity of what Jesus Christ came to establish. And so what that does is it puts us in a place where we're, I mean, in a good way, we're fed up with the nonsense. And how do we fix what is wrong if we don't point out what is wrong? How do we bring about the genuine if we don't expose the counterfeit? And so do you see the tension the tension is that part of the Christian life is that we do have to talk about what's messed up. We do have to talk about what's sinful. We do have to talk about what's corrupt. We do have to expose what is unsanctified. We have to do that. But there is a danger for those of us that are hardwired by God to flow in that kind of ministry. What is the danger? The danger is what Jesus is warning us about in Matthew 7, that we live a judgmental life, that we live constantly aware of what is wrong on the outside of us and we don't pause to grieve over what is wrong on the inside of us that's what jesus is talking about in matthew chapter 7 um, we have heard people use matthew 7 1 again that verse says do not judge lest you be judged yourself um, we've heard people use that as a kind of like a a shot block that we're not ever allowed to say anything is wrong with anybody else. That's not what Jesus was saying because you have to read the rest of the verses. He says in verse two of Matthew seven is very important. We're going to go through these five verses, by the way. So just hunker down for a second and let this be some, some opportunity for us to learn and grow together. He says this, you don't want to live Matthew seven, one paraphrasing here. You don't want to live as a constant judge, a constant critic, because those that live that way are going to be judged themselves. So in other words, don't live in a pattern of judgmentalism towards others because you're inviting God to establish a pattern of intensely judging you. And if you think I'm making that up, well, that's verse two. He says, Jesus says to the people, the same judgment you pronounce on others, that same judgment you're going to be held to by God. So in other words, the standard by, uh, to which you are holding other people, God will hold you to that same measure of standard. He says the, the measure you use to measure other people is going to be measured to you. Okay, so you got to get real here. 
what the Lord is saying here, what Jesus Christ is saying here is there is a, there's an element, there's a principle in the kingdom that says the severity by which you critique other people or even condemn or judge them, that same um, intensity, that same template of your judgment of others, God's going to lay on you. Now that ought to make you just pause for a moment. Because I, let's go back to the scenario that I was mentioning earlier. If I'm walking around all the time and I'm constantly pointing out what is wrong, if I'm constantly coming down on people that, in my opinion, don't measure up to what I see, what I believe, what I prioritize, what what I believe is necessary to be, I don't know, accepted by God. If I'm walking around and that attitude is growing in me, guess what is what is happening on a parallel scale in heaven? God is saying, oh, okay, Jeff's walking around down there and he's constantly critiquing people and he's constantly judging others privately in his heart and he's constantly measuring other people by his standards, by what Jeff sees to be right. Then here's what we're going to do to Jeff. Father says to son, son says to spirit in the presence of the angels. We're going to start putting our measure of Jeff's critique on Jeff. So if Jeff holds people to a level 10 judgment, a level 10 standard, a level 10 measure, then Jeff is welcoming us to do the same thing to him. So the father says to the son, we're going to measure Jeff by the level 10 stick. Bring out the level 10 stick because that's the way Jeff is judging and measuring others. Do you follow me on that? Now, why is that important? Well, because listen, there is a subtle pride that is in a lot of saved people that says, hey, I'm just trying to live for Jesus. I'm just trying to help other people live for Jesus. We all need to be sanctified. I clearly see some lack of sanctification in this person's life. So I'm going to judge them in my heart. I'm going to carry around a holier than thou attitude. I'm going to be a better than thou Christian. And I'm going to, um, I'm going to regulate them or relegate them to a lower strata of Christianity. In other words, they don't measure up to me and I'm going to treat them accordingly. And God says, oh, is that what you're going to do? Okay, I tell you what, since you're going to do that, I'm going in love and in equity and in justice. Since you're, since you're operating in justice, I'm going to enact that same justice on you. I'm going to measure you by my standard. Now, I want you to pause there for a second. Where, where is there a larger gap? between you and the person you're standardizing, the person you're critiquing, the person you're judging, the person you're measuring your, themselves against you, is that gap between you and them smaller or larger than the gap between you and God? So in other words, are you so far away from that person you're judging the distance between where they are with Christ or where they are in life versus where you are with Christ or where you are in life, is that distance greater or smaller than the distance between you and God himself in the sense of measuring up? Well, if you don't know the answer, I'm just going to help you here. The gap between you measuring up to God's standard versus that other person measuring up to your standard, they're not even worthy to be compared. It's an immeasurable gap. Your holiness compared to the holiness of God is immeasurably woeful. 
in your measurement of where you are in holiness and sanctification and righteousness and all things Christian between you and that person you're judging, there's, there's a gap there. Maybe, maybe you're even right. Maybe you're discerning properly. Maybe you are more sanctified than them. Maybe you are more spiritual than them. Maybe you are more committed to them. Maybe you are more loving than them and more generous than them. And, and, but if you're going to judge them, I want you to know that the gap between you and them is small infinitesimally small compared to the gap between you and God. And God says, okay, if you're going to play that game, if you're going to go hardcore with them, I'm going to go hardcore with you. Now, a lot of people don't like this because it, it really punctures our pride. But, but look at what Jesus says. So Jesus says this. He puts it into terms that are um, almost comical, but he's giving an illustration, a dramatic um, exaggerated illustration to help us to see the principle here. So he says in Matthew 7, 3, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Now just pause there for a minute. Jesus says, he takes it for granted that you have a log in your eye. You have a two by four in your discernment. You have something large blocking your self assessment. You're not seeing yourself properly. You don't see your, um, your abounding need compared to what you see in other people. That's the default. Our flesh is often harder on other people than it is on ourself. We, it's called judicial sentiment. We, we hold people to a, a higher standard than we hold ourselves to. And Jesus puts it in terms of having something in your eye. Cause we're, what are we talking about here? We're talking about discernment. And so Jesus says, Hey, um, bravo. You see the speck that's in your brother's eye. You see the comparatively small thing in somebody else's life, but you are blind to the log jam in your life. Man, that is so confrontational. This is Jesus talking here. And some of you that are hearing this saying, Jeff, you don't know who I'm critiquing. You don't know who I'm kind. They are clearly beneath me. They are clearly not measuring up. They are clearly not as sanctified, committed, loving, gracious, um, engaged, sacrificial as I am. And, and it's amazing that Jesus says, oh, well, okay, okay, yeah, let's just go ahead and acknowledge they've got a speck in their eye. The speck of where they don't measure up is nothing compared to the log in your eye of your pride. Kaboom. He just blew it up. See, Jesus is saying that the judgmental, comparative, measure yourself against others, measure others against yourself, that that, that is a two by four. And whatever it is you're actually discerning in their life that you're judging is actually small compared to the pride in your life that allows you to think you can judge them in the first place. Guys, this is huge. We are living in a season and a generation where Christians are slipping into Phariseeism. And so it's, it's almost like we have these two extremes in the body of Christ. We have this anything goes mentality to where we, we're muted. We're mute Christians. We're not saying anything about immoral behavior. Uh, we're not saying anything about you know, things like uh, sexual um, issues in the church and uh, definition of gender. Uh, don't judge. Well, wait a minute. That's already been judged. I'm not being judgmental. I'm just being, you know, proclaiming in consistency what the scriptures say about sexuality and gender. That's not judging. It depends on the attitude, you know, with which I approach it. But when we say those things, we're not being judgmental. We're being truthful. 
But on the other side is this idea that you have to judge harshly the person that's struggling with these issues. And so in pride, we, we act in ways that are just completely foreign to the nature of God and they're incompatible with who he is. And so we're walking around, we're saying, hey, when are you going to deal with that speck in your eye? Hey, that speck in your eye is still there. Do you notice I don't have that speck in my eye? Your eye ought to look like my eye. Your life ought to look like my life. You ought to walk like I walk, talk like I talk. You ought to serve like I serve. You ought to believe like I believe. My theology is better than your theology. Your theology is silly. Your theology is stupid. And you, it's high time you got your eye rinsed out and you start seeing things like I see things. And Jesus just kind of takes that person aside and he says, hey, you know what? You're right. They do have some specks in their eye, but I need to tell you something. You're absolutely blind to the two by four sticking out of your own eye. Your pride is horrific. And you have an issue in your heart that is greater than the issue of their heart because you have set yourself up as a judge. You are measuring them by yourself. And if you're going to do that, if you're going to measure them against against yourself, then I'm going to welcome you to enter into a process where I start measuring you in that exact same way. And I'm going to measure you not by them. My child, I'm going to measure you by me. Man, that is so intense. It ought to make us just shut our mouths. It ought to make us just stop right there and say, who am I judging? Who am I harboring in my heart um, some, some disdain towards? Who, who am I looking down upon? What person, what people group, what denomination of Christianity? Um, I used to run with some pretty intense reformed guys. And I look back, this is going back 15 years ago. These, these dudes were, we were all discussing and debating reformed theology, Calvinism, all of this stuff. And over time, what I recognized is these guys were really serious about theology. And that's good. That's good. We ought to, we, we ought to really hunger after our Bibles. But they were so freaking condescending to people and mocking people that don't agree with them and mean-spirited. Not all Calvinists are that way, by the way. I'm not grouping. I'm not actually doing what Jesus says don't do uh, by judging them. But what I'm saying is these, these guys that I was running with would mock. And they were, they were right in their theology, a lot of it. But they were wrong in how they had contempt for people that were different than them. And so I'm thinking to myself, that's, that's the speck versus the log situation. They're going hard after the speck of bad theology in somebody else. And in the meantime, they're sinning by laughing, mocking, and being sarcastic towards their brother in Christ, showing zero love. And by the way, not going to those people, but talking about those people. That's a log in the eye. Are you uncomfortable yet? Because this stuff is intense. Um, Jesus goes on to say in Matthew 7, 4, he does exactly what, what I'm talking about here. He says, how can you say to, to your brother, your brother, your brother, not some infidel, not some you know pagan, not some godless heathen, but somebody that's actually in Christ. That's the application there. How, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye? Jesus is asking a question. Why are you so focused on what's wrong with the other person? Did you wake up again today frustrated because you're, you can't fix what's wrong in somebody else? <laughs> that's basically what he's saying. He's saying... He's saying, how can you say this? How can you say to the person, I need to fix what's wrong with you? 
You say, well, Jeff, but we do. And he says, well, hold on a second. How can you say that when there is the log in your own eye? Do you, do you feel him there? Do you, do you get what he's saying? He's saying, how are you going to obsess over what's wrong with somebody else while remaining disengaged with the need in your own heart, the need with your own walk, the need in your own attitude, the need in your own relationships, the need in your own private um, growth spectrum with God. Why are you obsessing over what's wrong with them and ignoring what's wrong with you? Wow. You know, that would solve a lot of problems in the body of Christ if we would save the most intense scrutiny we can offer for our own hearts. When, when, we are, when we are humble enough to admit, I know I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. It doesn't mean that you're backslidden. It doesn't mean you're living in sin. It just means this. As immeasurably glorious as God is, that is the same distance that you have to grow. And so you can either spend your time fixating on what's wrong with everybody else, or you can just spend that same time and energy and say, God, be merciful unto me. I need your help. And Jesus is actually establishing some parameters here. He's, he's In essence, what he's teaching is stop doing that. Stop exaggerating the need in others while minimizing the need in your own heart. Quit Quit obsessing over the speck in their eye while pretending you don't have a log in your own eye. And some of you hearing this right now, I'm just being bold with you. Some of you are thinking, but I don't have a log in my own eye and they do have something in their life. Well, let me just say here, argue with Jesus about it. Go ahead and argue with him about it because I'm, I'm not giving you something new. I'm just making plain what he wrote or what he said and what you know uh, Matthew wrote down in Matthew 7. If you think I'm being harsh, well, then let verse 5 speak. And I'm going to wrap up with this. Jesus says, you hypocrite. He calls them hypocrites. When was the last time you called anybody a hypocrite or anybody called you one? We don't, we don't toss that around. That's a pretty strong statement. You hypocrite. First, notice this. First, take the log out of your own eye. Matthew 7, 5. And then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What is Jesus saying here? He's not saying that we don't ever have a responsibility and a call to help people with what's lacking in their lives. He doesn't say we can't ever point out sin. He doesn't even say that we can't exhort people to turn it up a notch and stop living beneath the standard that God has offered them. He doesn't say we just walk around and pretend that nothing's wrong, but this is what he does say. He says, be way more intense about your own needs. What's lacking in you, what needs to grow in you, what needs to be repented of in you, what needs to be enhanced in you, what needs to be crucified in you, what needs to be resurrected in you. Be way more focused on your own deficiencies and the need for remedy than you are on the deficiencies and the need for remedy in the lives of others. He's basically saying, stare long in the mirror, the spiritual mirror of the word of God, stare long in the mirror before you start pointing out what's wrong with what you see in others. And then he says to, to, to do this kind of activity, 
You've got to deal with the junk that's blocking your own clarity of vision, your own discernment about yourself, and then you're fit. Then you are able to help others with what's lacking in them. And he says, when you do that, you're no longer a hypocrite. When you are equally humbled, when you're equally dependent upon the Lord, when you are resting in grace, when you, when you repent of a fiercely judgmental attitude towards others, then and only then can you operate in a way that is um, edifying, motivated by love, and actually helpful, actually helpful to those that are struggling. And so what happens is when you stare in the mirror of the word and when you look into the face of Jesus and when you get honest about what's in your own heart, let me tell you what you lose. You don't lose your discernment of what's wrong. You lose your contemptible attitude towards what is wrong. In other words, you don't operate in what the old King James called haughtiness. We would just say arrogance, superiority, um, some kind of hard-heartedness. Now, listen, if you've made it through this entire episode, kudos to you. Bravo. You're a big boy or a big girl. But I hope that you'll listen to what I say because Jesus wasn't playing around. Hippocrates, that's the word from which we get our English word hypocrite. And those that were called Hippocrates in the first century, it's a Greek word. It means one who, mer- one who wears a mask. It was a term given to theater actors. And in an, an ancient theater, an actor would play multiple parts. And when that actor was on stage, they would put a mask in front of their face. And in essence, depending on what mask was in front of their face, you would know what part they are playing. That's a Hippocrates. And Jesus says, when you are judging others and giving yourself a free pass, you are a Hippocrates. You're wearing a mask. You're playing a part that's not the real you. Wow. So fresh ground for repentance today. Let's live today and let's just turn in our badge Let's just resign. Let's quit being the fruit inspector. Let's go ahead and, and, and you know quit our job that we hired ourselves for, which was to point out what was wrong in everybody else. And let's just go into a season that says, Lord, I'm really in need of knowing what's lacking in my own heart. Lord, show me the two by four in my eye so I'll quit messing with the sawdust in somebody else's eye. Lord, help me to be humble. Help me to repent. God, forgive me. And by the way, some of you may need to repent to people. Some of you may be convicted right now that God has shown you that you've been this way towards other people and you need to repent and you not don't just need to repent to God. You need to go to that person and say, please forgive me. I've acted and operated with you in a way that has been pointing out and obsessing and focusing on what's wrong with you. Some of you need to do that to your spouse or your children or your parents. Um, some of you need to let, you know, recognize as that your spiritual leaders are not there for you to critique and to, you know, point out what's wrong with them. That's just not your call. And so, guys, we've got to get real about this stuff. And when we do, we enter into a place where we're no longer stagnated. We're no longer frustrated. I promise you, if you're focused on what's wrong with other people, you are stagnated. You are frustrated. You're operating in some level of frustration in flesh. You are. And so if that's your obsession, and so we, we gaze at Jesus and we glance at each other. If you ever get that reverse where you're gazing at others and what's wrong with them, and you're glancing at Jesus, you're frustrated. You're, you're, you're discouraged. You're, you're mad. Uh, you're entering into pride and you're judging other people. 
So plenty for you to think about after today's episode and uh, felt good to challenge us on this. I'm challenged on it all the time. I'm totally challenged on it. God's warned me out years and years ago about this attitude. And I, to this very day, have to have to make sure I never let that attitude creep back in um, and that I stay fixated on what my own deficiencies might be before I ever address the deficiencies in the lives of others. All right, my time's gone. Thanks for tuning in today. Listen, go to transformingtruth.org. We've got some new videos up there. we got a couple of new blogs that I've written in the past month. Um, there's a lot going on. If you are unfamiliar with Transforming Truth, that's our umbrella ministry. You can find more out about it at transformingtruth.org. Um, you'll have links there to full-length sermons and 30-minute truth shots that I do. And our goal is just to get the Word of God out there and get the truth of the Word and to help people in their journey. My time's gone today. I am glad that you tuned in. We will talk to you next time. God bless. Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography, titled Figuring It Out As I Go, shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned at childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult, into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24, and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.